Hey, welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. I'm your host, John Jang. Here's what we're checking out on this episode. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. How do we prepare for the winter? Let's tap in to What's the Tea. The next station is... Welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. Here's a true story. Metro Vancouver is a temperate rainforest. You've probably heard the nickname Raincouver at least a few times by now. And yes, while we have beautiful springs, spectacular summers, and gorgeous falls with a lot of rain in between, our winters can still be pretty nasty. And we're prone to some big snowstorms that can really slow things down or simply shut down the very idea of wanting to go outside. But public transportation is an essential service, and during these severe weather events, people depend on us more than ever so that they can reliably get to work, to school, appointments, or to just get back home. Ensuring that our system can reliably and safely perform in these weather conditions is an ongoing challenge because no two snowstorms are the same. So many variable factors are at play. Things like how cold is the temperature, what time is the storm going to hit, how much snow is expected to fall, and will there be a period of sunlight afterwards? Our hard-working teams across the Coast Mountain Bus Company and the BC Rapid Transit Company are constantly learning from previous experiences while making adjustments to put themselves in the best position possible when a storm is expected to arrive. But enough out of me. Let's hear directly from the experts who get the job done. Simon Agnew is a maintenance engineer at Coast Mountain Bus Company. He and his team are constantly strategizing the best ways for our buses to perform during the winter season. My first question to you, sir. Whenever winter eventually arrives in Metro Vancouver, we know buses get stuck. What are some of the things that TransLink and Coast Mountain does preemptively, maybe, to try and avoid those uh, those situations? Starting in late summer, we start a program called our winter tire changeout, where we will go out and measure the tread depth on on every single one of our tires we have. And then ones that are found to be below a certain value, which is still way above what what uh, regulatory we, we actually need to follow. So we're, any of those tires are taken off proactively and replaced with ones with tire tread depth. That in itself is a monumental effort. Um, like if you look at how many tires we have in service and it, on all our buses combined, it's over 10,000. Just, just doing that tread depth program is, is a lot for us. Um, but it's something we think is worth it because, you know, having more tread depth is, is a way to help push, uh, water, um, and snow out. So we do that. We, we replace 60 foot buses with 40 foot buses on some of our routes. So, um, you know, forties do handle better in the snow than sixties do. Um, so we do that. We have our TCOM center, our transit communications in regular contact with, with, uh, supervisors and operators out on the road. So they're always, you know, they're getting live updates on, uh, what the conditions are like and making adjustments there. Uh, we work with the municipalities to try to address key corridors that, uh, they should prioritize for snow removal. Then the other thing is the use of, of tire socks, um, on some of those key locations that we've uh, that we've identified to to kind of at least maintain some level of service uh, for some of those routes. What are some of the more common issues 
that our buses face when there is snow and ice on the grounds across Metro Vancouver? What are some of those really um, common elements that seem to pop up year in, year out? First of all, topography here in Vancouver. I mean, we're obviously, it's it's a pretty unique environment in terms of the, yeah, just the terrain that we have to work on. It's like the hills here are, you know, much more difficult to operate on than pretty much any other Canadian city, I would say, for the most part. I think the type of snow we get here is different. I'm, I come from Ontario and I definitely would say like the snow here is much, much wetter and generally the temperatures they're kind of right around that freezing mark where it's really easy to compact this the that, that really wet snow and slush and it almost turns into like ice so could have just just a few inches of snow but it as soon as it compacts it, it just becomes so slippery um to work on you know you can be trying to sort of feather the throttle and provide just like a nice steady input and and even still like the the tires can slip um they do have traction control, with, which helps a little bit, but um, I think definitely like the, just the, the idea of driving buses in general, this, they're not like super well designed for driving in like really slippery, challenging conditions. That's why we pick the tires that we do is to try to give them the best uh, chance that they, that they can have to be able to maintain service and, and keep moving. Yeah, you know, I, we'll get into the tires here in just a second, but I wanted to back up to what you said about the different type of snow, you coming from Ontario. Maybe you can just explain, like, is it easier to drive in certain parts of Ontario because, like, it's drier? And and what's the key difference for um, how a bus performs out there versus what we have to deal with here? Yeah, I mean, like, I think just anecdotally, I mean, I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, which, I mean, it's there's snow all winter long, like, you know, everybody has outdoor hockey rinks in their neighborhood because it's just, that's the kind of winters we would get. I think because it's colder and it's it's drier, it doesn't turn into ice as slushy or as slippery as it is. Yeah. I think I can imagine the difference, but I guess until you've had that real life experience driving there versus driving here, um, yeah, it could be difficult to just kind of get that perspective. So uh, I'm sure there's others listening right now who are like myself, who haven't lived out on the East or, or you know, in places like that in Sudbury, Ontario. Yeah. And and like we, we, we keep in touch with other Canadian transits and when it's, when it snows and even say, for example, like in Ontario, some of the major transits, like when they get a big dumping of snow, I mean, they're, they're struggling to like, it's, it's not easy. Like, I think there was a couple of times last year where, where TTC just canceled their service mm-hmm. just because they weren't able to keep up. Cause I mean, if you send buses out when, um, the conditions are so bad like that, like the last thing you want to have to do is the bus becomes stranded and then you got to go send out a tow truck to pick it up or somehow move it or wait till it can, can move on its own or, you know, so. When we do get weather, like we're talking about, like they're, they're definitely like just monitoring the conditions. Like we have weather stations throughout Metro Vancouver. They're talking to operators, they're talking to TCOM super uh, or road supervisors out, out on the road and, you know, getting kind of like live updates from them of how the buses are doing. And then they're trying to kind of adjust based on that. Moving to the tires then, um, I'm sure you get this a lot, Simon, people that maybe say, look. I know what it's like driving in the snow in Metro Vancouver. I have snow tires for my car when it's, you know, the end of October. I know I got to go and switch my tires out so that I can handle driving in the snow in these wet conditions. So why can't TransLink buses do the same darn thing? What is the answer to something like that? There's a number of different factors that I'll, that I'll try to kind of 
help explain and and uh, and hopefully it'll kind of clarify some things. But I mean, for starters, like a transit tire isn't a normal tri- tire or a truck tire. So like transit tires are specifically made for buses. Um, so they've they've got uh, things like increased sidewall protection because the buses drive often on curbs so often. Um, you need to have extra rubber on the sidewall. Um, and then even the size, it's, it's mainly just the size that we use is, is for a bus application. So if you're, if you're a tire manufacturer, I mean, you're trying to design and, and manufacture a tire that's suitable for all, all seasons, because that's really the only thing that transits can do. Like we can't, we can't switch, uh, to like a quote unquote snow tire every every fall and then back to a summer one so like the the tire we run is designed to be used throughout the four seasons so when we look for a tire that has some sort of winter or snow rating the only available uh test standard that that we can go by is the three peak mountain snowflake so technically the tire we run is a winter rated tire because the testing it's gone through is the industry standard for testing tires in winter basically where things can differ a little bit is is in the tread design um and that's why we're testing the tire that we are now so it also has the three peak mountain snowflake um it's the same kind of general construction as our current tire it's from the same supplier but it has a different tread design and that's what we're interested in seeing is um is how it performs in the snow and in the slush uh, but then also how it performs in the rain, because obviously like the majority of our winter operation is in rain and then in the summer too, because like I mentioned, um, the tire we run is the tire that we use all year round. So, um, yeah, we're going to be monitoring, um, things like the snow, ice performance, slush, uh, rain performance, uh, tread, uh, tread wear, uh, fuel economy. Um, just any maintenance issues that may come up from running these tires, um, over the course of the next, uh, next year. And then, um, yeah, we'll just see how they do compared to, you know, kind of like our, our current tire. Uh, Simon, I'll ask you this because, you know, when it comes to traversing uh, your vehicle in winter time, in winter seasons, um, some folks are still, you know, they, they're very passionate about using tire chains and some people believe like this is the number one way you can get around town. Now, putting a tire chain on a car is different than putting tire chains on a bus. So maybe you can explain to us why tire chains are not really a standard operating procedure for us at TransLink and CNBC. We were assigned the task from Coast Mountain was see what sort of add-on devices are out there that can help improve uh, traction on, on ice and snow. So obviously the first thing we thought was chains or cable chains. And so we did we did order some in, we tested them. There's a few things. Our our buses, there's not enough clearance between the tire and the wheel housing. So when we did our testing, even at low speeds, you could hear the chains hitting the inside of the wheel well. There's a few issues with that. One, you're going to cause a lot of damage to the to the bus, also the tires, because we found even the tires were getting like gouges in them. The other thing was like the ride quality was just terrible. Um, it was like really bad, really loud, super rough. And yeah, who knows what it would be doing to the roads as well. So I, I don't think the municipalities would like it if we were running chains on all of our buses. They're also pretty awkward to install. Like if you look at a bus, like there's not a lot of room to kind of reach your arms around and place a chain and then secure it properly. So, so that can be difficult. 
It was actually uh, a co-op student who found the tire socks that we now use. They install so quickly, like it takes just a couple minutes. And for the driver and the passengers, like there's no perceived difference. Like you can't tell you're driving on them. We have a couple of different places in in Metro Vancouver that we that we install them on, and we we tried to pick routes that are just uh, are kind of like the most problematic when it comes mm. to. Um, buses getting stuck. So that's why we've got like a, a UBC route, uh, a route up to SFU and then two routes on the North shore. Whenever we think it's necessary, like our transit communications group will give a direction to the garage to send their people out. And then they, they go out and they're stationed at specific locations and then they'll install the tire socks on, on and off buses that are just doing kind of like short trips up and down the, uh, mm. the route that they need to. Um, so every time the bus goes and comes back, we have the technician take a look at the sock, make sure it's uh, still intact and, and looks okay and replace them as needed. We had a few considerations that make it a little harder to like more widespread use those. So uh, the main one being just safety of our, of our technicians that are out there doing the installs. So we had to find areas that um, had like wide enough like shoulders or pull-ins or uh, were like protected so that, you know, the last thing you want is to have like people out working on the road where and it's already slippery to begin with and you've got like mm. you know people driving by so um so yeah finding the right locations uh was uh was definitely a, a bit of a challenge so that's one another reason why we kind of just do them in uh, on a couple uh key routes maybe just like final thoughts um is there anything that people should know when it comes to like all the work that kind of goes on behind the scenes your team in preparation for winter i mean in an ideal perfect world, like we would want buses to perform 100% all the time, but we know that's not the reality of things. So what is the one message you would want to share to customers who uh, understandably get frustrated when buses are delayed? And, and of course, Mother Nature throws a wrench in our plans. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm a transit user too. So like I I definitely understand. Um, I mean, we, we do everything we can, but we're also still always looking for new technology, new uh, products out there that can help us even more. So yeah, that's why we're doing the tire testing that we're doing now. That's why we use the tire socks. Um, we talk to other Canadian transits regularly, um, and ask them what they're doing to see if there's anything we can learn from them. Um, but, uh, yeah, really when, like you, like you said, when mother nature still comes down with a lot of snow, I mean, yeah, it's, it's never going to be, it's never going to be perfect, but you know, we, we definitely try to try to do what we can to uh, to keep the buses running. Buses remain the workhorse of our transit system here in Metro Vancouver, but the SkyTrain also requires special planning and preparation during extreme winter conditions. When we come back, we'll hear all about how SkyTrain prepares for winter. You're listening to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. It's time for another TransLink etiquette moment. Things you should and should not do while taking transit. Etiquette tip number 33. Don't be a blocking bunny. Give your fellow transit riders a clear path to disembark the bus or SkyTrain. Don't block those doors or aisles. It'll just make things harder for everyone. Visit translink.ca slash etiquette for more. 
Welcome back to What's the T, the TransLink podcast. We're now in conversation with Mo Hasebo, Field Operations Manager at BC Rapid Transit Company, and Jen Byrne, a SkyTrain attendant on how SkyTrain prepares for winter. Before I started working at TransLink, I used to really get excited about winter. You know, just like every kid, it's like, oh, <laughs> snow, we love that. Oh, yeah. It's the holiday season, <laughs> uh, all these things. But Mo, you're shaking your head because when we say winter now, working what we do here at, at, you know, at TransLink and at BCRTC, winter is it's a tough time. It, oh, yeah. it is really? not our favorite time of yeah. the year. Winter is not. So you were describing uh, what STAs have to do. And, and you know, it, on a hot summer day, there's a lot to do. But then you add winter and Mother Nature on top of that. It's mm-hmm. a whole lot more. So just dispel for us, true or false, SkyTrain attendants can manually drive SkyTrains when it's winter time. That is true. They can drive the trains, but we'd run it in automatic until it gets really bad. And then the SDA will take over. Right. And it happens during winter and during like summer too, when we have an issue with the train, we'll be called on the radio saying, hey, we have a train that lost communications with the computer and uh, you will need to go and rescue it. And meaning that the SDA will have to walk. And if sometimes there's like huge distance between two stations, for example, in the US and 22nd, the distance between those two stations are like, and it's uphill too, mm-hmm. similar to Moody Center and Porquitlam, Por- uh, that tunnel, the hike of that tunnel is is quite the workout to, to go bet. train. Yeah. So now- you are walking in the tracks all the way up to the train. You get on the train and now you have few people that have been like on the train for quite some time, depending on where you were at. Right. And now you have to make them feel like, hey, everything will be okay. I'm here to help you. You get on the train and now you have to drive the train. Mm. Not only drive the train and drop people off to the next station, but also drive the train and trying to reconnect the train to the computer system again to control so they can automatically uh, run the system again. Mm-hmm. Um, in the winter time, it's totally a different story because during winter when it snows, there is no track intrusion alarms. Mm-hmm. We majority of track intrusions we shut them down because we get false alerts because of the snow. Right, block the laser or it's too heavy on a guideway, so like trips the the system. So we shut them all down, and when we shut them all down. We cannot physically watch every guideway in the winter. It requires a lot of resources. And we don't have, let me rephrase that. In order for us to uh, to do that, that means a SkyTrain attendant will be standing on a platform watching each individual guideway, which physically demanding in the middle when it is minus 10 and minus 12. It is is not fun. Right. So what we end up doing is we put the SkyTrain uh, in front of the train. And they are responsible now for that train. The SkyTrain attendant in front of the train. That is right, right, right. So they will be in the Hostler panel where they can drive the trains. And usually we run it in automatic until it gets really bad and then the SDA will take over. Right. Uh, but yes, people love winter. It's Christmas time, holidays. <laughs> Most people. Yeah. Most people. Yeah. For us, um, because we also leave super early. The system opens at five. So our staff don't usually um, take transit to get to their report location. It's a good point. They will drive. And in order for you to drive, to make it to your report location at five o'clock in the morning, few people are leaving their house at three. Mm. And sometimes we don't get the staff we want because they're all stuck, depending on where they live. You get to work, you'll start your job, you're standing in front of the train, uh, or not in front of the train, but in a hostler panel to drive the train. And it is a very mentally and physically demanding job because you want to be focused, uh, make sure, because it's not only anything in the guideway, now you have snow. And you want to make sure that 
when the trains, and we reduce the speed of the trains during winter as well. That's why you'll find a little bit of gaps in the, in the service and whatnot, because it's a reduced speed, because we don't want the trains to run the same speed mm. during snow uh, events. That is a SkyTrain attendant call. Right. Because they are the one monitoring this. And you're watching the front of that train for about an hour and 45 minutes? An hour and 45 minutes, your eyes on a track. Yeah. It's quiet. That uh, like you can see the SkyTrain attendant when they take their break, getting off the train, they they you can tell they're like yeah. drained. We're they exhausted. they need their break. Yeah. They're exhausted, and they did not run a marathon. Right, they were just watching the tracks for an hour and forty five minutes, and you are you because you understand that you got hundreds of people on that train. Mm-hmm. They're totally your responsibility. Of course, of course. And uh, those are lives that we want to, like I said, that's the customer service. Yeah. We want to get them from A to B, regardless of what the weather looked like. Um, so it is stressful. Like I, I used to do it as a SkyTrain attendant. And I'll be like, I don't know how I can come here to do a 10-hour shift. Mm. And the majority of my 10-hour shift is just to stare at the track, going back and forth on a train. Uh, mm-hmm. And that plus whatever issues that happen on that train. Of course. I'm responsible to deal yeah. with it as well. So yeah. that train basically is my responsibility during winter. Um but uh, going back to to the fact, like, yeah, it is winter events are are not our favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vancouver's, I, I understand, like, the the weather and the the climate is changing. Mm-hmm. And what end up happening is we used to have more episodes now of severe winter weather, and uh, we are prepared every year to to deal with that. Uh, but sometimes Mother Nature will win, regardless of what of you're course. trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so my advice for customers and passengers who are trying to get to work, well, they can't drive, so they're trying to use the system. The system will be open. But be cautious that sometimes we will ask you to, like, you're going to take, it's not going to be the same as July. Right. We'll try to get you where you want to go, but it may take a little bit longer when it's snowing than a regular day. Exactly, because I think the message there is um, trying to get everyone there safely is yeah, more important correct. than trying to get there as quickly as possible. That is correct. Because when you put things to manual, you just don't want to risk anything mm-hmm. happening. So mm-hmm. Jen, take us through what it's like for you when you have to be at the front of the SkyTrain. And keep in mind too, um, the average customer doesn't see this happening very often, right? That's right. So yeah. when you're suddenly, you've got that board panel open and you're, you're, you're in essence to the public, you're driving the SkyTrain. Correct. People take photos, they uh-huh. take videos. and <laughs> They ask a lot of questions. It's not just a stressful job, but now you're under the spotlight of exactly. people, right? Yeah. So walk us through that experience. It, it of, can of, be yeah. pretty stressful at times. Um, it, not only because you're you're so focused on the guideway and making sure there's no trees, no, you know, objects that are going to harm the train or the tracks, or when you're coming into the station, mm-hmm. you have to really watch and make sure nobody's going to fall. Right, because we do have that sometimes. There's medical situations where a person faints and falls into the tracks. So when the train's pulling into the station, that's the most stressful time for us mm. is because we're watching every single second because if somebody does fall in, we have to turn the train to manual and stop the train. Right. Right? So that's a scary situation to be in. Um, but also like Mo said, we're responsible for the train. So if there's door issues, which happens a lot in the winter, the doors freeze. So the train can't go unless the door issues are fixed. So we have to go through a process and try to find which door it is. And then we have to isolate it. And there's been times where we've been on a train and we've had to isolate six doors. Mm. Right. And to the point where there's so many of them. 
it, it's just crazy. You're stopping at every station. It's like mainline saying to you, you can't go, you have a train fault, right? So you have to go and find the door. Right. That's the problem. Um, so we're dealing with all that. But then, like you said, there's people asking me questions. And I, when I'm doing it, we call it sweeping. When I'm in sweep position, I cannot turn around. Mm. I have to face the guideway constantly. And it's hard to answer questions for people when you can't look at them. Human nature, we want to make eye contact, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And they think that I, that, you know, maybe I'm being rude or something like that. But I, I just say to them, I'm sorry, I'm doing something safety critical, so I can't look at you. Mm. But I'll try to answer the question as best I can, right? So, it's, it's tough. It is. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad you brought up the door issue, too, because during winter, uh, this is a very Canadiana aspect of the way that we use hockey sticks to clear out some of the ice and snow that, yes. that build up on those doors, yes, right? Yes, that's right. So it's a very small gap in between the door and the train. So um, it's not the SkyTrain attendants that do it. We have guideway people out there that are helping us. Ah, okay. Um, so they'll be on the platform and they'll go with the hockey sticks and run it in between the doors. So it prevents them from getting stuck. Mm. Um, so that is a huge help to us because then we don't have to worry about as many door issues. But it's a great tool out there and very Canadian. Mo, <laughs> why is it a hockey stick? Like, isn't there some sort of professional tool that is designed to do this exact job? I honestly don't know the background. I think uh, there is a vehicle uh, person uh, in our company that came up with the idea of the hockey stick. Mm. And uh, I think it was the fastest and the best way of doing it. It, it. it is the perfect size for the gap between the door and the train. Like right. it, it fits there perfectly. It takes about 10 seconds to do the job for one door and then we'll move on. And I guess it is easier to transfer too because you don't require uh, any um, training to use a hockey stick <laughs> uh, unless you want to go professional. But sure. uh, <laughs> uh, so we have a few in every report location. Interesting. You walk into a supervisor office and you'll have, you like if you're stranger you'll be like why do you have hockey sticks in the back here uh but we use them for the winter and i think who came up with the idea is a brilliant idea mm -hmm. uh because each individual can just have one hockey stick and run on one side of the train to uh clear the ice like i said it is it is very easy to transfer mm -hmm. um it is not a tool that you need to be getting any training on mm -hmm. and it is the perfect size I don't know how that worked, but it, whoever came up with the idea, I uh, give him big credit. Is yeah. there are lifesavers <laughs> because they they come and they clear the ice, and that will keep the trains running. Right. Like will keep the trains running, right. um, and you don't have to worry about where to store them because you can just go to the store and get another one. There you go. Them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it adds a moment of levity for customers too. Like yes. they probably aren't expecting to see you know a SkyTrain um, employee yeah. with a hockey stick, but it works, and it's yes. Canadian. We live in Vancouver. Why not? I yeah, exactly. The truth is, there's really no such thing as perfect performance during extreme winter events. But the work that goes into putting ourselves in the best possible position to avoid significant delays is truly remarkable. It's a all-hands-on-deck approach between our frontline staff, our maintenance teams, engineering, planning, operations control, everyone, to ensure that we can get you home safely. Now, it may take longer to get that done, and it may not be easy, and at times it can be very frustrating. But it's important to remember that during times like these, we're all in this together. After all, we want to go home too.
My thanks to Simon Agnew, Mo Hasebo, and Jen Byrne for providing us with their insight on winter preparations, our friends and colleagues at Coast Mountain Bus Company, BC Rapid Transit Company, and the maintenance teams working hard behind the scenes to ensure reliable service. A special thanks to producer Alan for shoveling my driveway, and you, as always, for listening and subscribing. My name is John Jang, and until next time, have a safe trip. Coast Mountain Bus Company is hiring bus drivers. As one of BC's top employers, they offer many perks, including paid training and exceptional benefits. Apply by May 22nd at translink.ca slash drive.